Welcome to Kol Isha, the podcast that gives Orthodox women a voice. Welcome back to Kol Isha. This week, I'm really excited to be joined by the co-founders of Project Proactive. So Project Proactive is an organization geared towards destigmatizing mental health issues in the from community, and it is run by two fabulous ladies, Shoshana Mailer and Rebecca Shapiro. So Shoshana has a background um, in psychology. She has a bachelor's of psychology from Stern College, and she did her post-bachelor's at Columbia. Um, And she works as a behavioral health counselor. She's a wife and she's a mom of two kids. And Rebecca Shapiro has a really varied background. She's a communications and marketing consultant. She's an illustrator and an editor. And she is a wife and mom of four boys. So welcome, Shoshana and Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Pleasure. So um, I wanted to go a little bit into the background of Project Proactive for any of our listeners that don't know about the organization or what you guys do. So Shoshana, as I understand, you kind of started it and now you and Rebecca co-host it together. So Shoshana, what uh, prompted you to start this organization and you know, what was sort of like your goal? What need did you see um, when you decided to start this organization? How'd you go about doing it? So the idea that came about when I was working in, I, I lived in Chicago at the time, I was working in ERC Insight um, as a behavioral health counselor for people with mood, anxiety, and eating disorders. Um, not specific to the Jewish community at all. There were very few Jews that passed through the program. Um, and I was also working at the same time for a nonprofit called Hope for the Day. At Hope for the Day, we did uh, proactive suicide prevention. So I was in the middle of all these kinds of, you know, skills and resources related to mental health. So um, I guess I realized I was putting a lot of time and energy into my work and the things that I was doing. And, and one day it kind of hit me like I would love to bring what I'm doing to the Jewish community. So I did some research and tried to figure out what there wasn't yet. Um, and what I realized was I was having a hard time finding what there was. Um, I knew there were things that existed. I just, I just didn't, it wasn't so easy for me to find. And my goal when I started was to start some kind of Instagram page, Instagram movement, where I could be the food blogger for mental health and put whatever I can find that was out there and get it out to more, more and more people um, and make it more of a trend and make it more talked about and all these things. So that's kind of where it started. And um, we can speak to where it. What sure. It so Rebecca, how did you get involved? So it was, it was very interesting because had she asked me like a few weeks earlier to get involved, I probably would have said no, but the timing was right. And I had just left my job in order to do work on my own. And Shoshana was very busy mommying and, and working and schooling and like everything at the same time. And she, she had invested a lot in this Instagram account and she didn't want to let it go. So she said, Rebecca, could you take it over for me? And I said, no, I will not take it over for you, but I will do it with you. And then I, I tend to go overboard with things 
So I said, Shoshana, I have a surprise for you. I made a website. And, <laughs> and, and I got a, a domain name. They didn't have Project Proactive, but they had G Proactive. And because it was for the Jewish community, I figured that was okay. And then we kind of like, and then we brainstormed. At the time, there was really not much else going on on Instagram as far as people talking openly. Like it was really like Shoshana really was a pioneer in that. And um, there weren't a lot of Instagram lives, and um, and so we this were just kind of two and a half years ago. Oh, just yeah. to be clear, where we're at in terms of time. yeah, like it was really like there was very few influencers even talking about mental health. Now there's tons. So the Shoshana was like really, really pioneering that on Instagram, and um, and then so we just brainstormed, you know, how we could best kind of bring it to like a lot of the information out there for mental health for uh like psychoeducational resources and stuff it's not meant for lay people it's meant for therapists to support lay people and so we really wanted to make that information more accessible and and palatable for lay people and so uh and kind of start talking about things in like everyday ter terminology, normalizing conversations. So we started doing the Mental Health Monday Lives and interviewing people on very basic ideas just to start talking about things. Um, we started with uh, interviewing Rachel Tuchman on like very basic, like what's the difference between mental health and mental illness? And, and then we just started really just picking apart very general topics that people really like. And I think what we realized was that people were feeling very alone before when they didn't realize that there were so many people suffering out there and they didn't understand what was going on. And now they do understand because everybody's talking now. And they're not alone. They're not alone. And nobody, like, no matter what people are going through, no matter what the mental illness or mental health challenge that they're facing, there's so many people that can relate. So I think that was, and so we kind of, work to build a community around that as well also something that we always made a priority was to that the direction and shape that the organization would take would always be based on feedback so community is really a key word for us um you know we take every dm very seriously every message very seriously and we really try to let that be the flow of our priorities and also um, that we don't, we try really hard not to be redundant. So if we see that there's an organization out there and they're not seen, but we found them, so we help them be seen instead of like reinventing the wheel and just doing it ourselves. We really try to collaborate as much as we can and really try to pull together all the organizations and kind of like bring awareness of those too. So it's almost like you're the mothership of all these different um, I like to look at it like that yeah it's, it's kind of like a federation <laughs> okay federation and how do you two well. know each other by the way that's a good question we go way back way okay. back <laughs> old friends all right yeah. cool so speaking of, of the dms and the community messages that you've been getting um that help guide you what can you give me an example like what has some of the feedback been like um it's been two and a half years now right so what have people been telling you that that's driving you in, in the direction that you're going? 
I think Rebecca will be good to speak to that one. She oh, really? I was stuff. hoping you were going to. No, no, no. I think this is one for you. Um, she does the, a lot of the communicating through our Instagram page. A lot of people message us, do you know of, you know, a rehab facility for this kind of thing? And like, do you have book recommendations for this topic and like at, at one point we were getting like multiples a day of people trying to either find a therapist or find an organization or find you know funding or find the, so so really that's that kind of spearheads if we see that there's a lot of interest in a specific area we go we we approach we we found clinical directors that we refer to and we'll kind of pick their brains on who we could interview that would be the best fit for, for that, a topic that we see pop up a lot. And we've made connections with referral organizations to kind of help support that. And we've built a Jewish community organization database on our website, um, so that people could find, we're, we're still, we're, we're actually looking for, um for some volunteers to support that and because it's a big job even like putting the list together was a big job and yeah sounds good so um so Shoshana you mentioned that you started off your career in a uh, facility that was mostly outside of the Jewish community that's kind of like what spearheaded this because you wanted to bring it to the Jewish community so what have you found to be the difference or differences if there are um, between mental health issues in the Jewish community or outside the Jewish community? Like, and what is the specific needs that you're trying to address? Okay, I like that question. Um, I think the way I looked at it in the beginning was that it's kind of the process in order to get to the place of, of being comfortable with breaking the stigma and being comfortable about talking openly about mental health. And I saw um, through the work that I was doing progress in, um, you know, the comfort levels of sharing your own story and, you know, talking openly about mental health. You, I saw it in the, um, you know, in the world of celebrities, in the world of sports, in the world of, I mean, everything secular, like I was hearing all about mental health and I was hearing nothing about mental health in the Jewish world. Um, and I, I wonder in general, if we do lag behind sometimes with you know what's going on in the secular world anyway so that could just be one of those like lagging things but in terms of the actual numbers and statistics of people who are affected by mental illness it's not more in the jewish community necessarily at all um it might be it's possible that it's covered up more because and i would really attribute that to be more because of just like our communities and just tighten it you know everybody is trying to protect their name and um there's like should definitely come into the conversation and um things like that so i would say that those are some of the barriers to get help um but in terms of you know dna and statistics we're the same likely to be affected as anyone else so it was mostly just the fact that it was more taboo and less spoken about and you yeah. wanted to sort of bring it out into the open more, but exactly. the issues themselves are are about the same. Yeah, yeah. It's the stigma of it. And that's why that's right where I started um, with, you know, making it, trying to make it into a, a trend to talk about it. I just want to add, um, like some of the the patients that I would work with, they would come out and, and this is also what I 
I thought would be really cool for like the Jewish world to start seeing, they would come out of their treatment and, you know, feeling really good. And then they would, you know, pop publicize it and like make it into make their journey into something that can help someone else and then it I, I would always see I guess because on Instagram whatever you're interested in pops up for you so I would always see different accounts that were just talking openly about their own journey and their own mental health and they became little communities of people who were going through similar things and helping each other out with those things and it just it became a norm and accepted and no one looked at you any differently just because you were going through that kind of struggle. So that's an awesome segue into my next question that I was going to ask um, Rebecca. So I think you alluded to this a little bit earlier um, in terms of people now speaking up a lot more on Instagram about mental health issues. This is kind of a question that I've had because I've been sort of like, you know, a quiet observer in this little conversation. I've been following you guys for a while and then, you know, seeing a lot of people speak up about different topics that, like you said, like a few years ago, probably they would not have. So my question is like, how do you recommend or promote or like uh, from the individual side, find this balance between speaking up in a healthy way versus speaking up in an unhealthy way? Because sometimes there's this feeling when you read something, it gets a little uncomfortable and you're like, mm -hmm. is that person oversharing? Like maybe they, I don't know, like maybe they shouldn't have said that. Maybe it, it almost feels inauthentic. Like they're trying hard to share something, but doesn't feel quite right. Like, I don't know, like, I, I'm not an expert. But when I scroll, sometimes I feel like, hey, that's a really nice message. Nice that you share that. And then sometimes I'm like, Ooh, that felt just like so awkward, you know, so how do you promote that sort of balance? I love that you asked that, because we actually talk about it a lot. I was just um, thinking, I think about this all the time. Yeah, we talk about it a lot, because we, I think we're both on the same page, as far as we believe that you should share um, scars, not open wounds. I think that's a Brene Brown quote. Um, so when you're kind of like mid struggle and you're sharing a lot, it will be, it, I think she calls it floodlighting. Um, and it, it can get, it could really, it could it could be the opposite of what they're trying to accomplish by sharing because then you have a whole spiral of of feedback like you know if it comes across not well said and then you'll have negative feedback and then you'll also feel bad and embarrassed and so there's a lot so we do consult with with our clinical advisors like bef like oftentimes before we inter interview people we would talk to them about it and kind of like how to approach it and um and most of the people that we interview are coming from that clinical perspective we we have interviewed a lot of people that have shared their stories but those people are coming from a, a place of of like 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 stability to their core and like they're really they're they've already come out the other end and we feel very comfortable with, with um, them sharing. Uh, I think we, we would be hesitant to interview somebody who is mid struggle. I think a lot of times it also comes from intentions. Um, you know, are you sharing to get a little bit more attention or are you, are you sharing to get support or are you sharing to, let other people know that they're not alone. 
Um, and I think that that distinction is really important for the person who's viewing it to recognize. And for like, the person who's posting it, right? Well, like, that too. Just yeah, you want to make sure that the person, yeah, and that they're ready to share what they're sharing. So I really like that expression that you used, Rebecca, sharing scars, not open wounds. I think it's very well said and, and it's like a very intelligent and, you know, smart thing to promote, like, I guess, from the perspective of people who are sharing also, like, are you ready to say this, you know, and I think, you know, you kind of touched on this, but like, if you're mid struggle, and then you get negative feedback, that could be really damaging. Yeah, we also have there, there are anonymous accounts um, that I, I really do like, and they are mid struggle. But when they're anonymous, I think that that it, it's coming from a different place. They're not, they're not necessarily doing it to be recognized they're doing it to help and to kind of share what they're they're going through in in their therapy and in their you know so i think i think that 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 can be very helpful um that's interesting i've never i've never uh come across one of those anonymous accounts but i would imagine then if you get negative feedback it's also easier to take because no one actually knows mm -hmm. who you really are so mm -hmm. interesting yeah. so um Shoshana, I noticed you guys have been promoting this teen initiative that you started. Um, this sounds really cool because it sounds kind of like grassroots. You're getting to people before they've developed, you know, that stigma and all that. So tell me a little bit about that. What um, what prompted you to do it and, and what is what's the goal? Yes, I would love to talk about this. Um, I It is what I have poured my sweat and blood into the past few months and even years I've been thinking about this. So um, I, the way I look at it is, I guess the way we, we look at it as an organization is how can we affect, you know, each demographic, right? So I personally am passionate about the teens and youth, because I think that these kinds of things, like, especially when you're talking about mental health and when you're talking about things that are kind of innovative ways of thinking for the, for the world, um, the young people are the ones who are going to be making the changes. And I think that I've seen changes, the changes that I've seen in communities and in schools and stuff have usually come from the students themselves. So, um, I've always wanted to do something that uh, connected teens to our mission. And I always wanted to put together some kind of program. This summer, it happened to work out very well because we got a, a YU, um, I guess, grant where they, um, we have three interns, part of a consulting team in YU who are working with us, um, YU students who are going to be the the team leaders for the program. And so they've been planning and working on this program for me for the past couple months, um, where basically teens from anywhere, really anywhere, um, will be getting together over Zoom to hear from mentors on, on two different categories of topics, uh, leadership skills, so different kinds of leadership skills and different kinds of things related to mental health. So um, we have a, a pretty big group of mentors, maybe 14, mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah. Who, yeah, who will be speaking, giving them um, workshops. And then we have post workshops where they learn and to implement the skills. And then the kind of overarching theme is um, the, the project that they're going to be 
um, developing as, as in their teams. Um, so each team comes up with their own group project that they can implement in uh, their communities or you know their social media spaces, and uh, the winner wi will win five hundred dollars to um, actually implement their project. And that's those are the basics of the program, and we are super excited. That sounds awesome. And it's also kind of the perfect timing because a lot of teenager summer plans fell through. Exactly. Yeah. That's why we, we were really, everything fell into place so nicely because we got the YU interns and then, and, and co like everything kind of happened together, all the summer plans starting. And then we're like, oh my gosh, like this couldn't be better timing. So oh, wow. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. Really just together. Yeah. And like you said, like the change often happens with the young people. So the fact that you know, you're starting with people before they've had a ton of exposure to develop negative like opinions and stuff. You can really shape, yeah. um, shape the outcome. So um, speaking of COVID, by the way, Rebecca, I was just wondering, have you guys seen any increase in mental health concerns and issues since uh, COVID's been around? Because I, I've seen a lot of it. I work in healthcare. I've seen so much anxiety. It's like very, very notable, like the difference from pre-COVID to now. So it's so interesting because I've spoken to a few therapists about this actually, because, you know, we, we it, it's such an incredible phenomenon that like the people who were in active mental illness before kind of felt relieved somehow, like that they're validated and, and, and that, or like a lot of them, obviously there's some that aren't, but a lot of them kind of started coming to their therapy, therapy appointments. And they're like, I finally feel like I'm normal and everyone else has anxiety now. And I feel normal because I've always been in this fight or flight mode. And like, all of a sudden the world makes sense to me. So I've actually heard that from a bunch of different people, um, that they've had that experience with their clients. And I think that people who have never experienced mental health challenges before are feeling it now. Um, and, and people who, who, who have mental health challenges but not mental illness are also feeling a rise in it. But I think that, that what, I'm sure it's not across the board, but, but I've heard it a lot from different people. That That's really it, interesting. Yeah. Shoshana, so, anything from you that you've heard? Yeah, no, that I would say a similar thing. It came up in some of our interviews too, on some of our Mental Health Mondays. Um, that's what I have been hearing is just that it's almost like the world is starting to understand more of what the mental health and mental illness world is about, which is so interesting for us who have been, you know, kind of involved in this for a while. So let me ask you this, as the behavioral health um, professional, um, we're living through this sort of traumatic situation right now, you know, like a lot of people look back on different events and go, that was traumatic. And like, then they have to deal with the fallout of, of it after the fact. But I think it's so clear to, to everybody that like, this is a traumatic situation for we've been dealing with for the past several months. Is there any way to like, promote mental wellness now so that after the fact almost like you know prevent 
people from having like post-traumatic stress or, you know, dealing with the fallout of, you know, having super high anxiety levels during this time. And especially for, um, for the kids too, you know, like the kids that are old enough to perceive that like things seem really uncertain now, like for certain age groups, that's really frightening, you know, what, like, what, what do you say to people um, that you see in, you know, at work or whatever about prevention right now? That's a really good question. And it's something that we don't talk about enough. Um, like being proactive is exactly what we stand for and what we do. And I mean, the truth is as an organization, we, we probably have not really addressed, um, you know, these kinds of concerns because it does feel like a lot, it does feel like people are talking about it and there are things that are out there and, you know, it, it seems like people are like addressing it so much to the point that you don't really know what to do or where to turn. I don't, I don't know. That's, that's kind of the way that I feel. And, and I, I'm sure like if Project Proactive as an organization, like put together some kind of like support group or like clinical board that people can turn to for this kind of thing, I think that would be a really great idea. I mean, we're all about being proactive and I, I think that's actually something we should probably address. Rebecca, what do you think? I think from, from, from what I've heard, and we, we do have a, a trauma specialist on our clinical team, um, Esther Goldstein. So she, um, so I think, I think it's about like not living in denial and actually like actively talking about it, processing it and trying to just, I mean, I think people are doing a good job right now just saying I'm not okay. And I think that that's like the first step is like, just, I'm just not okay. And that's okay. Right. I mean, like, it's pretty, it's been pretty cool for the mental health world, like to see people just admitting it that they're not okay, because they know that everybody else is not okay. It just shows what, like, how far we can go when we realize that stigma is just based on what isn't what what the community and people decide is it not a norm mm-hmm. as soon as that shifts like as soon as then like that's the entire thing about breaking the stigma is is like as soon as it's not a stigma then it's also not a problem anymore it's i mean it's, it's always going to be like a challenge but but it's it not a big part of it yeah a big part of the problem is feeling alone yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the cool things about social media. As much as it's, uh, there's a lot of challenges with social media, like I think everyone can acknowledge, is also like this sense of community um, and this ability to share experiences where people realize like, and I think that's what you do in general on Project Proactive, but I've been seeing a lot of that, um, you know, like different mom accounts or whatever being like, okay, my house is a wreck and yeah. everything's flying, yeah. but it's okay. You know, like we're mm-hmm. going to get through this together. Like it's, it does definitely give people the sense of normalcy that like, you know, what's not normal is normal right now or what's normal is not normal right now. You know what I mean? And, and, and like some of the things are, are horrific. Like some of the changes, like obviously like we, we do not want the economy to tank and we do not want a lot of the negative. We don't want people to die and we don't want, there's so many, so much negative, but if, if we could, we could, if we could take something out of this whole experience and kind of, it'll be the, that shift in priority of like prioritizing family and prioritizing, um, you know, kind of more boundaries and, and more, you know, respect for people's, 
differences and the way that they interact with like there's been so much positivity that's come out of it that I really hope doesn't end when this is over and 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 also that you know all the moms kind of admitting that like they're not Martha Stewart we don't we don't have it together (laughs) I think I think I'm dating myself by using Martha Stewart as a reference point but um maybe there's like a Shoshana's more current than me so (laughs) I don't know but yeah basically the bottom line is we don't have it like none of us has it together we're just like plotting through trying to do the best we can one day at a time no yeah I think that that's that's the best part of this experience is just knowing that you're not a train wreck by yourself (laughs) (laughs) we can all be train wrecks together which is comforting at least um all right cool so um sort of uh, transitioning away from that a little bit, um, I wanted to ask you if there's been any particular uh, mental health issues, um, Shoshana, that you've noticed in the from community in particular that's a little different, like based on your inter- interactions and messages from people and stuff. Is there like one or a few issues that tend to be like much more significant in the from community than others? Yeah. Um, I, if I had to put, put my finger on it, I think it's the pressure of being per it stems from the pressure of being perfect. Um, and I think I, I can't say that that's exactly where it would come from, but I think that that general pressure, you know, to have a perfect Shabbos table, uh, you know, watch your kids perfectly, be able to help your husband, you know, there's just like so many things that we just feel that we need to do because we're Jewish. And then not only that, but you know, you're in a community, so you see what other people are doing and you, you know, you feel like you need to keep up with that person and that person. And I think that that is like, from what I've heard and what I've noticed and what I've seen to be things that have gotten some more feedback on than others is kind of um, once you're able to let go of that perfectionist attitude towards, you know, Judaism life, whatever. I mean, of course, within the bounds of what you're comfortable with, um, it, it does release some of that extra anxiety and possibly even a depression, like things that have caused depression. I don't, I can't say that that's a, a direct correlation, but I know that that's something that's very specific to the Jewish community. It makes a lot of sense. And also the pressure to have babies after babies, like, we put extra stressors on ourselves. So, so I, mean, I see that a lot also that um, grief comes up a lot of like either the grief of being infertile or grief of, um, of having multiple miscarriages or losing children. I see that a lot coming up and then also a lot of eating disorders, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's, um, I think what somebody was saying, I think it was uh, Dr. David Rosmarin was saying that it seems bigger to us because we're seeing it more, but that the the percentage is the same for the Jewish and the non-Jewish community. Like it's, it's the same across the board. So if there's 20% of something in the non-Jewish community, there's going to be the same 20% in the Jewish community, but we're a little bit more insular. So we're going to see it more. That's interesting. And part of the eating disorder thing, I mean, we do have so many rituals that are around food and, you know, things that you are literally obligated to do. So it just, it does bring other challenges that are unique to Judaism. And you mentioned, I think it also goes back to that projection of a 
you know, perfect uh, image where, yeah. you know, if somebody d doesn't fit a certain body type or whatever, and then they're focused on shidduchim and all of these things, then it's, I think it all boils back down to shidduchim at the end of the day. But um, yeah, you want... We have a we have an interview on that, if anyone wants to see her. It, oh, it was it? David Rosmarin on shidduchim and mental illness. And um, it was outstanding. It was really, really well done. Where so, can we find it? On our YouTube channel. Okay. We have two by him, so it's the older one. Um, but it's awesome. such an important topic. Yeah, it was a really important. It, and and the, the way that he talked about it was just so hopeful. Like it, he was just like basically like if one in at the time, you know, the statistics were one in four, but but it's probably closer to one in three at this point. Uh, if one in three people are at one point in their lives are going to experience a mental illness. So why would, should that impact? Like it could happen to anybody, like your next door neighbor, your, your brother, your sister, your parent, like it really like is, if one in three, that statistics are pretty high that somebody in every single family is going to struggle with mental illness at some point in their lives, then like, why are we being judgmental of mental illness? And he said, really, the, the thing that you have to consider is, is the person willing to do whatever it takes to be well? And if that person is showing that commitment and the desire to be healthy, um, which Rachel Tuffman talks a lot about, that's another really, really important one is the difference between mental health yeah. and mental illness. If somebody, somebody could be, um, mentally ill, but be the most mentally healthy person in the entire world, or they could um, struggle significantly with their mental health, but not have a mental illness. So it's really what the person's willing to do in order to get well. And I think if that stigma is perpetuated and people are not allowed to talk about it, then they're that much less likely to get help. And then they're much more likely to stay unwell. Right. Well, that that shame perpetuates the issue and makes it so that, and and I think that that shidduch, the shidduch scene is a big issue with that, because yeah. literally everyone's hiding something. It's one in three. Come on. We all struggle with something, you know. Nobody's <laughs> perfect, so yeah, it's true. But I think it, you know, with the shidduchim, it comes down to so many different things that play in, like you mentioned, the eating disorders, the the mental illness, sometimes just even something like anxiety, like if part of it is that we want everything out on the table before we even agree to meet somebody. Whereas like, I mean, I was thinking about this recently just to compare um, mental health to, to physical health for a second. Like, you know, when we also stigmatize people who have genetic issues, you know, um, we don't want to do shit often with someone who's a carrier for this or that. Like, whereas in the non-Jewish world, like I have a, a friend who's a colleague of mine um, there's a significant um, genetic disease in her family. And she met her husband like organically at, at a bar or something and they got to know each other and at, they realized they were really compatible. At that point, um, he really, really liked her. And he was like, well, if you test as a carrier, then we'll just adopt and that's it. You know, because their relationship was able to develop to the point where it was secondary to the fact that he really loved her. Whereas in Shadduchim, like that would all be out on the table and the person would be like, forget it. I'm not even meeting that person or going to give them a chance. 
because now I know that they have this and this issue. You know what I mean? It's just very different. But they, I mean, there's also like addiction and like there's, there's so many things that mental illness could be that it's impossible that, that within the family that there's not something. So, so like, I think that, 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 that's part of breaking the stigma. We have like, that's, that's like what we, we have to tackle. We're, we're doing teens this summer. Next year we're doing Shadokhan. Or maybe we'll do it together. Well, like, great idea. <laughs> you know, follow up program. I think that's just going to be the, the topic for all summers to come because it's kind of like endless, you know, because it's a really big deal. It is. It is a big deal. But we're chipping away. You guys are doing really great work. Um, I think that, like you said, I, in the last two and a half years, for sure, there's been so much more conversation. Um, there's been so much more openness, hopefully, you know, in a healthy way. But like, I've seen so many like, therapists speaking on Instagram and people like you can see in the comments, like having this, this dialogue and this conversation, which it, you know, didn't exist previously, but like, like we mentioned earlier, I think one of the biggest components is people knowing that they're not alone, even if they're not willing to get up and share and speak out for themselves, at least knowing that they're not struggling alone is like a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Anything else you guys want to mention? I just wanted to make a comment you you that that you mentioned um, the comparing physical health and mental health and I think that that's also like a very very um, key point that I was talking to a neuro, a neurological researcher I don't know how to say it but she she's a researcher in uh, neurological like neurosciences but yeah um, and she she was saying that that she was saying to me that she's so grateful she's an older woman who's almost I I think she's almost retired at this point and she was just saying like wow it's so amazing that you guys are doing this because you're sharing what the academic world has known for years and we're just not that good at sharing it with everybody else but but that you know the brain is just like any organ that needs to be taken care of. Like if you have a a stomach issue, you're going to go and see whether it's, you know, in your bladder or if it's in your bowels or if it's whatever, and you're going to deal with it. And it's the same thing with the brain and the brain, I mean, the brain's a little bit more complicated and it impacts our personality, but it's an organ and it needs maintenance like any other part of your body and it needs exercise. Yeah, exactly. The same way we're proactive with our physical health. We exercise, we eat right to maintain physical health, we maintain our mental health. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. so I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, and I, I think like also going back to how people don't want to feel alone in it. Like I mentioned, I've been seeing a lot of people with anxiety lately coming in and a lot of times it comes out as physical complaints, which is why they come to the hospital. And oh, I have that. What's that? You were, like, we're, we're airing our, our, you know, our issues. So I have anxiety. I also have like back pain. And- oh yeah. I mean, yeah. A lot of people keep their, their anxiety in their back. I do that for sure. Or like yeah. they come in with chest pain or stomach pain or whatever it is. And like, you know, if, if you've gotten like to see and take histories from people and not very often, it's, it's pretty obvious initially, but like, you don't um, want to just jump to say, Oh, you have anxiety. You want to make sure that it, there isn't a physical component too. But a lot of times mentioned to people like, you know, we've been seeing really, really high rates of anxiety and a lot of people are coming in with that now. Sometimes chest pains end up being anxiety. Sometimes palpitations end up being anxiety. And like the rates are really through the roof right now with COVID. And you just see this sort of like relief come over them 
when they realize that like, okay, maybe I'm not crazy. Like there's, there's other people going through this too. It's not just me, you know? So that's like a really huge um, thing for people to realize, I think too. That's a good point. Shoshana was going to say something before. I was. It's not, it's not a great tie-in, but I, I do want to bring up the proactive ambassadors program. Should I talk about that for a second? Yeah, please. I would love to hear about it. Okay, great. So um, basically we are developing a proactive ambassadors program, which is a, a program that's meant to empower people and inspire people who are interested in, you know, our mission of breaking the stigma and speaking up for mental health. Um, and it will, it's going to be for every age. And it's there's going to be, um, we're going to make little teams of people who are interested in similar things. And um, it's kind of a way to get involved in, to get communities really around the globe involved in the mission of breaking stigmas and, and finding the leaders in the communities. And, and I, I think it will, again, start with the younger with the younger people, um, but being able, giving them a platform to speak up and to make change. Um, so I'm really excited for that um, coming up this uh, maybe September. So and I guess you guys will advertise how to get involved. Yeah, for yeah. Who want well, to? We well, yeah, the program's still in development, so we don't want um, you know too much information flooding in at once. Um, we, so. we, we, uh, we got a lot of interest in the teen leadership program from people who aren't teens. So it, it, it was very apparent that, so, that something really needed to be developed. And we kind of piloted an, uh, the ambassador program last summer with a group of teens. Um, and now we're kind of taking it to the next level and having it be more of a formal ongoing thing. I love how you guys like, like assess the needs as you go along and then, you know, address those needs. It's, it's like really evident that you're doing that and you're gathering like really good data on what the needs are and then actually doing something about it, which is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> we have, we, we, we reassess a lot. Yeah. It's, we love <laughs> that about our, um, <laughs> like we just reviewed our business plan again and reevaluated because once COVID hit, our entire business plan was kind of flipped because a lot of things that we, yeah, like a lot of things that we had thought were high priority became lower priority. And then things that we had in our like five-year plan became critical. So we're, you know, it's important for us to kind of rework our plans as we go along and be a little bit more fluid so that we could so we could really address needs properly awesome all right well you guys are doing such awesome work also i this is like a thing of mine because i'm my grandparents are holocaust survivors like some sort of program for um children and grandchildren of holocaust survivors would be we, awesome. we already we're on, we're on it we're on it oh my gosh i'm late to this game okay <laughs> so we actually have been in development for a, a while and it's been put on the back burner a little bit because other priorities came first but we're working on a curriculum with an organization called margaret's legacy and in collaboration with hope for the day um to come up with a workshop that will it's called a generation for hope 
Um, and it, it's working with survivors and their offspring to kind of help process the intergenerational effects of the Holocaust and, um, and kind of, you know, work, you know, for prevention and, um, treatment. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. It's definitely need affects so, so many. And I also just want to compliment you guys because from the work of um, that I've seen, uh, mostly online, um, it, you guys do such a good job. Everything is so professional, so well done. The graphics are beautiful. Um, and it's like really engaging. Yeah, it doesn't look like just some, you know, person who's like sitting there with their phone. It's like really well done professional organization. And I think that also helps people realize that like there's so much legitimacy here and you know it helps build trust and things like that so Thanks. yeah great job Thanks. all right awesome thank you so much both of you for giving me your time um i love what you're doing and i wish you the best of luck because i think when you're doing something where there's like a real need and you know there's a lot of people who can really benefit from what you're doing then you know you're you're hopefully going to have tremendous success because I mean, it's unfortunate that so many people need you, but um, you know, you're there to fill that need, which is just amazing. Well, hopefully it'll just be that they need us for proactive measures and not for, um, for anything more than that. Um, actually, that's a good way to close. When we were, I would, we were talking to um, Shifra Rabinowitz from Project Extreme and she, she was writing an article for us and she said, you know, I really want to emphasize that God willing, one day there will not be a need for Project Extreme and there will only be a need for Project Proactive. And, you know, and, and, and it was really nice that she said that. She said, like, and all the Project Extreme staff will come up to us. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. No, but it, well, she wasn't even talking, just talking about Project Extreme. <laughs> she was talking about, like, all basically every Jewish organization until now has been very reactive and, and, and they're, we're really good as a Jewish community of like, of being firefighters and, and Tahala. And we, you know, we come in when, when things are really needed, but, but we really have to work as a community together to, to be proactive and then, and that being said, like literally every single person can benefit from the work that you do, not just someone who has, you know, a diagnosed mental illness or mental health challenge, but we all need to be mentally healthy. And um, I think, like you said, the way to do that is to be proactive. So, all right. Very good. Thank you so much, both. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so for making the time. I really appreciate it. And I wish you best of luck for all of these new adventures that you guys are embarking on and your work is fantastic. So Best of luck to you both. Thank you so much. You too. All right. Take care. Okay.